Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. I'm continuing this series called An Enemy Called Average. And it's very, to me, important that you guys are catching the heart of, specifically for me today, the heart of what I want to share with you, it has to do with worship. And I realize that in all the years of being here in the church or whatever, I do worship every week. Some of y'all don't realize I am the senior associate, so there's other stuff that goes on in my life and in my world other than music. But it's interesting to me that we very, very seldom teach on praise and worship. As a matter of fact, some of you newer folks maybe have never heard us talk about the why behind our what. And it's so important because we're heading into, I believe, a new season of growth. Um, I love the fact that literally every single week when I get a chance to, I'm meeting people that I hadn't met before, I'd never talked to before. That means that there's growth. That means that there's momentum. But it's important then that we have the foundational principles of why we do what we do ingrained in every generation. And when I say generation, I'm not talking about age groups. I'm talking about a group of people. So we're going to hit on that a little bit today. I will say this, that in John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24, is where I'm going to actually land next week. But this is kind of the, the beginning of the text. This is the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. Oh, by the way, let me pray. Father, thank you for the day in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Bam. I was going to get my powerful prayer in. So this is the story. By the way, if you never heard me preach, just ride with me, man. Okay? I don't need you stuff and stiffy and looking at me, looking at you, looking at me, looking at you. I need you to be in the word with me. Okay, so so John... Chapter 4, it says, this was Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. It says, but the time is coming, verse 23, the time is coming, uh, it has in fact come. When what you're called is not going to matter, where you go to worship is not even going to matter. It's who you are and the way that you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people that the Father is looking out for. For those who are simply, honestly, themselves before him in their worship. God is a sheer being, spirit itself, being itself, spirit, excuse me. Those who worship him must do it out of their very beings, their spirits, their true selves in full adoration before him. Now this is the setup of my next couple weeks. And The concept is that God receives your worship, but he's looking for people who get past the exterior, who get past the outward and go into the spirit of why we're doing what we do. That's what God's looking for. And that's going to manifest in a lot of different ways because everybody's got different personalities, different types, different styles, different backgrounds, different histories, different ways of seeing and believing. So all of that is subjective to who you are. But at the end of the day, the ultimate goal is that your spirit is engaged in what you do. Now, I'm so passionate about this because I've lived it my whole life. And one of the things that I recognize is that through worship, I'll I'll, I'll say this quote before I get get in. It says, "There 
There is a very real spiritual battle over how far you will go in your worship and sacrifice. I'm going to say it again. There is a very real spiritual battle over how far you will go in your worship and your sacrifice. And here's the part I want you to get. The enemy wins if he can convince you, hey, don't go too far. You know why we did that song twice this morning? First of all, our team wrote that song. I know, it's dope, isn't it? Felt like he was in a club, I hope, today. But we wrote that song. You know why I wrote that song? Because I find so many times when I'm looking for songs that will in, in, encapsulate, will capture the heart of what I feel about worship, it's hard to find it sometimes. So the whole concept of that song came out of me remembering a verse in the Old Testament where David said, God, I can't give you something that costs me nothing. I can't give you a sacrifice that, did, that wasn't really a sacrifice. So that whole thing was birthed out of it. By the way, one more time, give it up for my team. They did a fantastic job helping to co-write that song. At some point, we will, you know, whatever. But um, uh, so, so you got to understand that there's this battle and this war for you to have average worship. There's always going to be this tug of war that wants to pull you into, I won't say complacency, but into a lack of engagement, expression, full-on abandonment. There's something about that. And can I tell you, that does not, that's not just about a personality thing. That is something that hell wants to keep you away from engaging in. Please catch this today. And I'm going to show you. In uh, Psalms chapter 8, verse 3. Psalms chapter 8, verse 3. It says, out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have perfected. Somebody say perfected. Perfect. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have perfected praise because of your enemies. So that you may destroy the enemy and the revenger. In the Living Bible, it says it this way. O Lord, our God, the, ma the majesty and the glory of your name, it fills all the earth and overflows the heavens. You have taught the little children to praise you perfectly. Watch this. May their example shame and silence their enemies. This whole passage uh, is a powerful look at how God has invested the power of breakthrough in your praise. If you look up the original translation of that word silence, the word silence is this. Uh, silence in Hebrew is the word shabbath or shabbath. It means to cause to fail, to suffer, to be lacking, to put down, or to take away. So it says this, you have taught the little children to praise you perfectly, that their example of praise would cause the enemy to fail, to suffer, to be lacking, to put down, to take away. Is anybody catching that? Your praise, check it out, it's a tool that causes the enemy to fail on your behalf. Your praise is a weapon that God has placed in your hands and our hands so that anything that you're facing, you're coming against, that it causes the enemy to fail. 
That's why I sweat on Sunday mornings. That's why I'm so intense and passionate about what I'm doing. Because here's the thing. I realize that there's only a few hours a week that I get you. Do you know that there's only a few hours a week that I get a chance to be in front of you, helping you, lead you into the presence of God? You know, we have maybe, maybe an hour, maybe two hours. You have 160-something hours in your week. I think that's what Alexa told me yesterday. <laughs> that's why I look her up. It's like, 100, it's like 100 and something hours you got in a week, and I get one of them, maybe two, for you to have a moment where you can silence the enemy on your behalf. Are you catching that? That's what your praise does. I don't have time to go into the backstory, but there's a great, great book by Pastor Robert Gay, and the book is called Silencing the Enemy, the Enemy with Your Praise. It's a powerful book. I would encourage you to read it. Uh, I taught it in Bible school. It's been a foundational part of our ministry in terms of praise and worship. But that whole concept, he was talking about the fact, without going into the story, is that we know, if you know the story, Lucifer was the worship leader in heaven. He got cast down to the earth. When he was cast down to the earth, God gave his job to who? Do you all know who he gave his job to? To you. I tell people in Bible school, put your name next to that passage. You got his job. Every time I walk on a platform, I get to stomp on the enemy's head and say, hey, sucker, I took your job. That's the joy of it. That's the beauty of these moments. So he's fighting you. He's fighting your praise. The Bible said that out of the mouth of babes and infants, a perfect praise comes. Why is praise perfect in an infant? Because they don't care what you think about them. They're not concerned about you. An infant has zero inhibitions. They're not concerned if they look silly, sound bad, walk funny. Matter of fact, I have a video that I want you to see real quick. I thought it was really cute. This guy uh, is an example of this. Go! Go, That is perfect praise. <laughs> that dude could barely walk. He was like, hey. The, the music caught him and he, he couldn't help himself. He couldn't contain himself. <clears throat> and I love that example because God said, listen, he's perfected praise in infants. Because there's a passion. There's something that's uninhibited about them giving their all to whatever that scenario is. Why is it that the older we get, the longer we get, the less sometimes we want to be that way? Why does that happen? Why do we lose that ability to just be passionate and, and zealous and wild before God? Why does that have to shut down when you come into the house of God? You know why I'm so passionate about it as well? Give me your eyeballs. Because when I was a kid, I was that kid. I was that, well, I had an afro and an Audi belly button. <laughs> but I was that kid. By the way, what happens to an Audi belly button? <laughs> Never mind, that's a whole other story. I mean, it used to be like an Audi Audi. <clears throat> so I was that kid, and I loved worshiping. <clears throat> Excuse me, I loved dancing. We would be at parties, you know, and I say this a lot because I was born in the 1900s, <laughs> right? 
It's on the 1900s. We used to have this dance called the shuffle. We do the thing in the back and the side. So when I was four, five, six years old, I was the entertainment at our, at our family gatherings. And every time, and like, you know, what was one of the songs? Uh, Diana Ross, you can ring my bell. You know that song? That song would go on. They'd be like, Lindsay, come in and do the dance. Do the thing. <clears throat> right? So a few years go on. And I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. It, it. it automatically moves me. Like, I really don't understand. And I'm not getting on you, but I'm just saying, like, I can't understand the concept of when a beat is going, I don't know how you can just stand there. It's just really weird to me. I don't get that. So I, would, I was passionate, right? And then you grow older, and you start being concerned about what people think about you. And you start letting all the limitations of averageness get on you and you stop doing and being fully what is inside of you. So why I'm passionate about it is because then I got to about eight or nine years old and I was a drummer my whole life. So I played drums for our church and did the, some of you have heard this story, but you think it bears repeating. I was the drummer for our church and I was passionate on the drums because I could kind of hide in the cage, right? But what I would do on the side was I would sing all the time. Like I would constantly be singing. And I didn't know that it wasn't just normal that you could hear a song and then sing the song like the song. I mean, I didn't know that. I didn't know that that was a gift or something that God had put on my life. And so we started doing our thing. And I, many of you have heard again, but I grew up in a, in a very, I mean, it was all black gospel. We had red and white robes. We had a Hammond B3 organ. We had a choir. We had a preacher doing ha, ha, We had all of that. God bless him. It's cool. Right? So I grew up in that. That's what, that's my, that was my history. Some of y'all never heard this stuff. So I, at eight or nine, had, had a song that I had been preparing for for probably a month or whatever in rehearsals. And me and my sister, who was really the great singer in my family, were preparing to sing this song. And I was all ready to go, and we had been practicing it and rehearsing it and doing our thing. And I get to Sunday morning, and I'm talking about the choir is rocking and swaying, and they got the thing going. And it's my time to do my solo. And this little eight-year-old boy with the afro and the Audi stood there and literally was shaking in my boots. And I couldn't sing. And so the choir director, they ran it back and they kind of waited and so they went back around to the chorus or whatever it was. And they came back around to my spot and they got to my part again, this little boy up there getting ready to go, knees shaking and I just could not sing it and I couldn't get it out. Now, if y'all have ever met my mama, she's the sweetest little just lady, but she's a fireball. So my mom let that thing go around one more time. <laughs> I'm shaking, can't sing, doing the thing. She came up to the platform, snatched me up by my little afro, and took me downstairs and proceeded in the 1900s to give me an old-fashioned whooping. <laughs> well, no time out. No, no, she took me downstairs and gave me a whooping that I never forgot. Then 
this sweet, little, wonderful lady walks back up the steps of that church with me in tow. They said, run that song back. (laughs) And guess what she did? She made me sing. And guess what? I've been singing ever since. (laughs) I never stopped singing since then. But you know why? Because she knew that the enemy was trying to squash my praise. Can you imagine if I had never gotten through that moment and had the confidence to get up on a platform and begin to sing songs? I think about the times when I've been around the world and had moments and opportunities and we're speaking in and we're doing what we do. But do you understand that he was fighting my praise as a young man? He was trying to make me be nervous and scared and introverted and shy. And that, if you can believe it, I say that a lot too, that is generally my personality. I'm a shy person. I don't like, I don't like the spotlights and the big thing. But I had to get past what I knew the enemy was trying to shut out of my life. Because your praise silences the enemy. I didn't realize then that once I started singing and having the opportunity to lead worship and do the stuff that we're doing, I didn't realize that that praise, that whole concept, was going to take me through scenarios where I could have been lost. It was going to take me through times when there were every every family, every person, every human being, there are seasons. I don't care how much you love God, you go through some stuff, man. Do you know that it has been this concept of praise that has helped me weather every storm that I've lived through. Do you know that there are so many times when you walk in a room, you don't have to feel like praising, but you know the under, you understand the concept and the principle of the why behind we do what we do? And, and so we write a song like, I won't hold back my praise, God. I'm going to give it to you because that's what you deserve. I'm going to move on. The next part is this. For time's sake, you're going to see that there is this pattern that arises, that occurs through the scriptures. If you look with me over in Exodus chapter 8, this is where I'm going to land this morning. Exodus chapter 8 is the story of Moses and Aaron. And it's interesting because there's this whole ongoing conversation uh, in Exodus chapter 8. And what happens is you find that the enemy will always be okay with you going only so far. But don't go too far. I mean, it's okay if you go to church every once in a while, but, but like really being there all the time? I mean, like, I mean, you can, you can give a, you know, you can give a little something, but like this whole concept of actually tithing? Anybody hear what I'm saying? You know, this whole thing about the, whole, the Holy Spirit, like you can go, I mean, it's just, but it's a little weird, so I'm just going to, I'm going to stay. If he can get you to tiptoe around the depths of where God wants you to be, he can keep you, my God, he can keep you in a place that is less than the fullness of your purpose. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful she snatched me up and made me get back up there. Because in that moment, God was broadening and opening up opening up the destiny that God had for me very interesting so in in in, uh, in Exodus chapter 8 verse 1 this is Moses and Aaron uh, God says to Moses verse 1 go to Pharaoh and tell him God's message release my people so they can go and do what 
worship me. This whole battle in the book of Exodus, when we're talking about Moses and Pharaoh, when we're talking about Israel and Egypt, very interesting. I'd never seen this before. This is something Pastor Richard and I have been going back and forth about uh, on these notes. But it's so interesting because the whole time, when you go through those, the different plagues that, that were sent upon the Egyptians, that whole thing was about Moses not just getting out of Egypt, but getting to a place where the people that he was leading could worship in spirit and in truth. It's very interesting. I never saw it like that before. The whole concept is really about their worship. So in verse 1 it says again, God said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and tell him God's message. Release my people so they can go and worship me. We're going to jump down to verse 25. It says, Pharaoh hastily summoned Moses and Aaron and said, all right, go ahead. Remember, he was resistant, resistant, resistant. You remember that? Let my people go. No, nobody knows that. What is that from? What is it? Oh, it's an old, it's an old Negro spiritual? Okay, I don't know that. All I know is let my people. Sorry, that's a total sidetrack, y'all. Sorry. Right here with you. But um, in, in, in verse 25, it says, Pharaoh hastily summoned Moses and said, all right, go ahead and sacrifice to your God, but do it here in the land. In other words, you can sacrifice, but you can't go too far. I'll let you give you a little bit, but you can't, really, you can't really go to where you're supposed to go. Do it here in the land. Don't go out into the wilderness. But Moses replied, that is not going to do because our sacrifices to God are hated by the Egyptians. And if we do this right here before their eyes, they will kill us. We must take a three-day trip into the wilderness and sacrifice there to Jehovah our God as he commanded us. So, so um, Pharaoh says, all right, go ahead. Pharaoh replied, but don't go too far. Over and over. Give me some worship. But don't go too far. I mean, does it really take all that on a Sunday morning, Pastor Lindsay? Do you really? I mean, I mean, really, really. I mean, it just, it's, it's, is all that called for? That's the enemy saying, don't go too far. Just let your worship be average. Just be like, God bless everybody that's in the city. We love the other churches. We pray for the churches. We lift the other churches up. But how many of you know that God's called us to be specific? And unique and different. And the longer I do it, the longer I'm in this flow, the year after year, I'm more and more reminded of the specific nature that God has put on this house. And I, you know what's interesting too? I'm more and more comfortable in who God has called and created us to be. For instance, I'll go back to this song. I wasn't talking about this. But the song that we wrote, I was almost intimidated to write that type of song because I'm like, I'm listening to CCM radio. I get all the latest praise and worship stuff out on Spotify and iTunes and, you know, whatever else. I get all the music, right? And my, my automatic default was to try to do something that I've heard other churches do. Does that make sense? So my whole thing about trying to write something was about 
well, what's the most current sound? Okay, well, let me pull up Bethel and Elevation and, uh, you know, all the list of people. And God just started challenging me again. He said, what are you talking about? I made you, specifically you. It doesn't have to sound like everybody else's stuff. Your worship should be uniquely your worship. It should be the way I'm birthing it in you and through you. And that's what I'm telling you guys. That's not just about worship. That's in your life. Your life is uniquely your life. The way he's built you, the way he's fashioned you, the stuff that's living and and stirring on the inside of you. I feel like God was just encouraging me, don't squash that down. Do something that's consistent with what I placed in your spirit. So Moses says, or Abraham, or excuse me, Pharaoh says to them, verse 28, all right, go ahead, Pharaoh replied, but don't go too far away. No hurry and plead with God. Now hurry and plead with God for me. There's a theme that comes up. Let's jump on down a couple more passages. Pharaoh continued to harden his heart, and he refused uh, to let them go. Down another verse in chapter 10 of Exodus, it says, Then Pharaoh called for Moses and said, Go worship the Lord, but even your women and your children may go with you, but your flocks and your herds must stay behind. Now, I jumped a part of it. I'm going to come back to it, but I I jumped there on purpose. Because what he says is, okay, I'm going to let you go. Because this is after thou, there's another plague that comes, and they're going through. I think there's a season of darkness, and then there's frogs, and then there's like locusts, and there's all kinds of stuff, right? So Moses, excuse me, Pharaoh starts to get wore out, and he's like, okay, well, you can go, but you can't take, you can can take your women and your children with you, but you can't take your, your flocks and your herds. What that meant was he's wanting him to go without a sacrifice. He's letting him go. (laughs) Without the very thing back in the day, you had to bring animals. You had to bring stuff to to be sacrificed. He's saying, okay, well, I'll let you go, but I'm not going to let you go with with a sacrifice. And he says, listen, how can I give God something that doesn't cost me anything? How can I do that? The part that I skipped over in that passage is where I want to land today. Because before he allows the women and children to go, he says to him, you can't even take your women and children with you. And I don't know what the plague was that accompanied that whole time. But I see that so specifically about the next generation church. I see it so specifically about the importance of making sure, as I started this sermon, that there are a group of people who continue to understand the foundational principles of how God has made our church. If you're new here and you never had a chance to look at or hear us do a record called Reckless Abandon, or we did a a whole album called The Breaker is Rising, I think about the times when that concept in the power of praise and worship has been so intentional. You know one of the best things I get, and I hear this a lot, a lot of times you, new people especially will tell me, you know, one of the things that drew us to your church was the worship. I get that a lot. One of the things that, and I always try to tell them, what you're sensing is not perfect musicians and people who don't make mistakes musically and we have all this stuff together. What you sense is a foundational truth 
of an understanding of the power of praise and worship in our team. That's what you sense. It's what you sense. When you see me go off script and we go into another song or a flow or whatever, I'm trying to be in that moment so a person who came in desperately needing to encounter God's presence, we can find it because every service is different. Every expression is different. Every moment is different. Every opportunity is different. But there's a verse in Psalms that we will land on. In Psalms chapter... Uh, 71, verse 18, in the Passion's Translation, and this is where we'll land. It says, God, now that I am old and gray, don't walk away. Uh, in my case, I'm neither old nor gray, thanks to just for men. <laughs> I need to buy stock in just for men. But God, now, now, now that I'm old and gray, Hey, don't walk away from me. Give me grace to demonstrate to the next generation all of your mighty miracles and your excitement so that I can show them your magnificent power. Psalm 145 verse 4 says this. It says one generation is going to praise your works to another and they're going to declare your mighty acts one generation is going to declare your works to another, and they will declare your mighty acts. I'll say it again. One generation is going to declare your works to the next generation, and I'm going to declare the mighty acts that I have seen God do over and over and over and over in my life. Time and again, I've watched him come through. Time and again. I've gotten an opportunity to experience the presence of God in times where there was no other explanation except that it had to be God. Has anybody been there before? I've shared this a few times in the last year and a half or so. But when I tell you this concept of praise and worship was the moment and the reason and gave me the capacity and the ability to lay, to sit next to my mom laying in a bed dying and hold her hand while she left earth and entered into eternity? Can I tell you that it was the principle of worship that got me through that moment? Can I tell you when everybody was asking me, are you going to do the, the funeral? Are you going to do the service? And I could somehow in the depths of my spirit muster up the strength to say, of course I'm going to do it. I'm her son. This is what I was born and made for. Do you know it was the principle of worship that gave me the, the, the ability to do that? It was worship. It was passion before God. I know, I know, I know it may be a little different than some of you are used to. This church is growing. At some point, I can see us needing three services. That's a great problem. But I don't want to have half of you, and I've said this before, and please catch this phrase. It's a PL phrase. I don't need you looking at me, looking at you, looking at me, looking at you. That's the worst thing you can do for me during worship. If you're not engaged and your spirit's not catching what God's doing, I can't, take, I can't make the sacrifice for you. Do you understand that? 
I wish I could make the sacrifice for you. When you need something from, the, from heaven and from the spirit of God and you have a moment where you've got to engage, I can't do it for you, but I can set up an atmosphere for you. And our team can be postured so that we know that your heart's going to be engaged in what God says. And this is not corrective because you guys are amazing and awesome. And here's the thing, that song that we just wrote, I can't wait until we can record it. I said it out loud. But the cool part of that is when we record that song and if we do video and stuff with it, I can't have you be looking at me like, I won't hold back my breath. I'll give you. What are you talking about? We need energy. We need the full passion of what God is able to do. And it's not, can I say this? It's not hype. It's not just the latest fad. It's not just this thing that I do. I'm telling you, out of the mouth of babes, God has ordained perfect praise. Perfect praise. Perfect praise. I'll, I'll end with one quote. My time's up. I'll end with one quote. Pastor Robert Gay in his book said this. He said, as we praise the Lord, we cause the enemy to fail. As we lift our voices to God, we defeat the power of Satan that would bring people into bondage. As we enter into worship, we begin to take back what the enemy has stolen from us. Come on, somebody, give him praise, give him praise, give him praise, because that's what's happening in your praise. The very last thing I'll cover, precious family in this church, literally last night, sent me a video. And the video was of this young lady who is their granddaughter. And I know the circumstances with which she has lived and the great people and parents and all the stuff. But I don't even know people have stuff in their lives they got to go through. I got a video, probably 6 o'clock last night, and they sent me a video of this child singing a worship song that we do. I always get emotional about this stuff, but I, I know. I know some of the stuff she's walked through. And the song she was singing, she's prophesying it. I see it coming back to life. I see it coming back to life. I want to see it rise. And she had good pitch. <laughs> and I thought, God, please don't let the enemy stifle that worship in that child. God, when she goes back to her environments, the surroundings that she's in, all the things, and this is not, nothing bad about where she's at necessarily, but I just thought about, I don't even know if she understands the power of what she's doing when she's worshiping. I'm going to see it rise up. I see it coming back to life. And then she said, she gave the best part to me. She said, she started singing the chorus. Holy Spirit, come revive. Holy Spirit, come breathe life. Holy Spirit, come whatever you want. Holy Spirit, have your 
a six, seven, eight-year-old girl saying that. Do you know what that sets her up for in the future? If that's the posture of her life and all the garbage that she might see around her with her friends or school or whatever else, if she's postured as a six-year-old to say, Holy Spirit, have your way, that's the power of worship, y'all. That's what breaks the back of the enemy. Do you know devil hated the fact that that little girl was singing? In pitch? She doesn't know that was her recruitment video. She just auditioned through that tape. But that's the power of our worship church. We're heading into a new season. There's going to be more stuff birthed here. And this is in a house of people who understand your praise is a weapon. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. We love you this morning. You're awesome. Uh, We bless you. And we thank you for the power of your word. And I just ask you that every person that's in this room would know that there's not an average worship in them. There's a dynamic worship in them. And thank you, God, that as you took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and you gave that authority back to your saints, your children, I thank you that our passion and our worship will carry us through the tough times, the good times, the hard times, the bad times, the victorious times. It's part of how you've created us, Lord. Thank you for this moment. And God, right now, before we end the service, every single time we gather, I just ask you, if you guys would just bow your heads, close your eyes. If there's anybody in the room, we never end a service without an opportunity for you to have a moment in God's presence and say, hey, Pastor Lindsay, I know you're talking about all this worship stuff and da-da-da, but I don't even know, I don't even have like a relationship with God yet, like a real vibrant, living, alive relationship. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but if that's you and you're like, hey, man, I want to know this God that you're passionate about. I really have some stuff I want to give over to him. I want to lay it at his feet and I want to take up forgiveness and freedom. If that's you, no big feet. If that's you, lift your hand. I'm going to pray for you. That's you in the room. If you're in this room and you want to know Jesus, you've never had a relationship with him. You've never started. You've never had that moment. I see you. Father in Jesus, just pray with me. Everybody in the room, say, Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity to lay my burdens my cares, and my life at your feet. I welcome you into my heart. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and make me your child. And I will worship you with passion, fervor, and zeal all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. If you meant that, give him a praise. Put your hands together. Let's praise. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, event registration, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you.